You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. There was a blind man. Samya, like the Aramaic word for an Iver, a blind person, which is what it says in the Torah, is a Summa. Samya, a Summa, somebody who he couldn't see. Tahavi Mesader Masnisa. We don't know his name, but we know who he worked for. He was a Mesader Masnisa. Havi means that's what he did. Havi. He was. That was what he was engaged in. Mesader Masnisa. Like the word Seder. Something about putting things in order. What did he put in order? What was he putting in order? Masnisa. Masnisa, as you can see, the tough in Aramaic, is the shin of Hebrew. So that would be Mishnisha, Mishnah. He was being Masader, the studies, the laws that had been encapsulated in the words of the Mishnah. He was organizing Mishnah, organizing laws, traditions, as we always said, from the previous generations, Brises, Mishnayos, and what was he doing with this organization? Kamei de Marshmul. In front, Kamei is in front of in Aramaic. Likamei um, means further, but in this point, it would mean Kamei in front of, meaning Shmuel was standing first and he was second. So he was Kamei de Marshmul. In front of Shmuel. Okay. Now, why we need that background? It might be you know, what his job was, that he was blind. It definitely humanizes what was going on. Uh, the first time I saw this Kamar many years ago, I got the impression that he was sort of like a gifted blind person. Um, that, uh, which is what Rashi says here. We take a look at Rashi. Shachoya Yodea Mishnayot Begirsa. Isn't that clear? You can't hear me? I hear you, but you're breaking up. Yeah, um, when I check my... When I check the internet connection, I see that it doesn't have that many bands on it. So, again, there's not much I can do other than, you know, addressing the tech issues, uh, which, like I said, we're in the middle of the year. I'll try to be more sensitive to it and try to make sure that you know, maybe move to a different place where things might be easier. Um, so let's look at the Rashi. Shohoya Yudea. Mishnayot, Bigirsa. The blind person knew Mishnayot. How did he know them? Bigirsa. Girsa, this word in Rashi means he would actually know the text of it. Girsa actually is an interesting word. It comes up a lot of times in Shas. You can underline it. It means, it comes actually from a, 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 a kitchen term of being goreis. Grease him, which are actually 
beaten beans that you crush over and you crush into smaller pieces. Uh, girsa is to actually take something and, and, and crack it into a smaller piece. That's the way he knew Mishnayas. Girsa. He would review it, get the piece clear, umachazer aleyen, and then he would review them over lifnei marshmul. Now, up until this point, I got the sense that maybe Shmuel needed him because um, this guy was gifted. He somehow, he couldn't see, but he had incredible memory in his mind. He knew the Mishnayot. But then, the end of the Rashi <laughs> says, Sheyihiyu sidurot bipiv. Rashi says he did it in front of Shmuel, so Shmuel should check him. <laughs> it's not that Shmuel needed him. He was a good guy, it's Rashi's telling us. And he would go to Shmuel to make sure that he had it right. Like Ikar, meaning like their source, like they were originally. So Rashi makes Shmuel the ultimate mind. This guy was a talented fellow and was definitely dealing with his disability because although he couldn't see, he was using his memory. He didn't have something to look at. He didn't have words in front of him on a piece of paper that he could read, but he had it in his mind. And therefore, he figured one of the things he wanted to do because he was involved in this was to be able to test himself and make sure he got it right. That's the way Rashi explains what the dynamic was. Now, I tell you this because you're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to be pretty shocking what's going to happen afterwards. This is a beautiful story. This blind man pushing through his disability. And Rashi gives us what was going on. That could only be Shmuel because obviously the blind person couldn't see. Chazye is Aramaic for coming from the Hebrew word chazon. Ye means, like Yudhe means in him. So Chazye means Shmuel saw in him. Shmuel saw from his body language this uh, blind fellow, Dahave, that he was in a state, Have again, a state of doing. Atziv. This is a word that is in modern Hebrew as well, and it's actually in, in, throughout the Torah, which is atzvut. Netzah means a sense of depression or being upset. He was upset. So Shmuel noticed the man was upset. He was there listening or saying over the brises, but there was just something different about the way he was doing it. There was, there was a tone of being upset. You can tell when somebody is doing one thing, but you can see something's bothering him. So Shmuel said, hey, oh, look, let's stop what we're doing in the learning. And, or may, let me, I see something's wrong here. Omar lay, he, that would be Shmuel, the same person who saw it, lay to him. His question was, am I, why atzivot? Why are you sad? What are you sad about? So 
what did the blind person answer? Amarle, he said back to him, Dulo Otive a Ruve Tapshilim. Otiv is again shin and tough. Oshiv in Hebrew. Put down. Give us a place to sit. Give a place to be. Give stability. That's what yeshiva means. To sit. To be stable. Right? Yeshiva is to sit down. Sitting is a way to actually be in an area and to not be affected and not be thrown out. So osive means you actually place it. Lo osive, I didn't place. What didn't he place? An Erev Tavshivim. So now we know why he's upset. He's upset because he forgot, or we don't know why, but it's Yom Tif now. So now the story is that it's happening on Yom Tif, and Shabbos is coming, and the blind person, I guess he made his way around the kitchen, even though he was blind, wasn't able to cook for Yom Tif, for Shabbos, I'm sorry, because he didn't do Erev Tavshivim. So, Amar Leh, Shmuel said to him, Samoch Adidi. You can rely, Samoch, as we saw yesterday, like Smicha, like, like on a carbon, when you put your hands down. Samoch is, 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 is to depend, Adidi, on me. Now, why could he depend on him? Well, Rashi explains, Dema'arvna, that Shmuel, was the one who made the Erev, Ma'arvna, Akula, Akula means all, Nardo. I mentioned yesterday that Nardo was the city of Shmuel's father. Well, usually a father rabbi gives over his, uh, after he passes away, to his son, and that's what happened with Shmuel. Shmuel became the rabbi of Nardo. And just like we saw yesterday, as you can see here, Shmuel's father did it. Rashi assumes that Shmuel took the role of his father, and also set an Erev as the rabbi of the town, as the Talmud Chacham of the town, for everyone. And Rashi says, Shehi Iro, because that was Shmuel's town. And obviously, we know who Shmuel is. In fact, here he's given an honorific that shows up a number of times, but not it, it's, it's an unusual honorific. Mar Shmuel, Mr. the Master Shmuel. And maybe it's because he was coming to the Master to figure out what the texts were, but clearly this is Shmuel as a leader. Okay, so he says, you're fine. Don't be sad. I had, I had in mind everyone. I didn't have you necessarily on the list, particularly, but everybody, and you're part of the city. Okay. Here's the part that is not going to be, that should make you upset when you hear it. Lishana. What does Lashana mean? The next year. A year later. Chazye, he saw him, Tahavi Otsiv. Once again, it repeated itself. Maybe they were in the middle of studying. He noticed him. He said, On my way, again, he asked him, Am I Atsivut? Why are you sad? Amarlei, he said to him, Dulo Osivi Eruvetavshila, the same answer he said last year. Amarlei, now Shmuel said, Posheyaat, you are 
a poshea. That's like the word pesha, which, we, as we know, when we do vidu yadim kippur, chatat, chatati, aviti, pashati. Right? That, that's a loaded word. A person who is a poshea. Poshea. In English, it's usually translated as negligent, negligence. In the laws of damages, of uh, in terms of uh, taking care of objects that have been entrusted to you, we say a shomer chinam, a person who's not paid anything, is chayiv, is guilty, if he's a poshea, if, if it, it could show abject negligence. So it's, it's, it's negligence in some way, but it's really worse than that. Poshea'at. It's like, I'm blaming you for your negligence. You're a poshea. At is Aramaic for you. Just like in the Haggadah, we say, at p'tachlo. At is Aramaic. At p'tachlo. It's you. It's also feminine, but, but it, in Aramaic, it's, it's the same. Poshea at. This is what Shmuel said to this blind guy. You are a negligent person. You're negligent in this, maybe a negligent person in general. And then he says the part that's very cruel, it seems. Likule alma. Kule is all. Alma is the world. But the world always means a different thing to, depending on context. <laughs> right? In the Torah, when the Torah speaks about an, a, a, a Eved who wants to stay, who sells himself, or is sold by Bezdin, it depends um, how you interpret that, that, that passage. But in the beginning of Parshish Mishpatim, we have an Evid who, who wants to stay as a slave. He doesn't want to go free. So the Torah says, He works forever. And the rabbis tell us it's not forever. It's till Yovel, this week's Parsha. It works till Yovel. Olam is a long time, but it's all relative. Olam. <laughs> well, Sometimes Eilam just means to the next Yovel. 20 years, 15 years, whatever it is. And things change. Here, Olam means the people of that town. means everyone, meaning everyone in the town who I did it for can use me. Lakuli Alma Shori, Aramaic for allowing. That's what Shori means in Aramaic. It's allowed. Shori. Lididoch. To you, it's usr. You can't use my Erev. Wow. This is the part that's still shocking. You read it every time. Boy, are you mean, Shmuel. The guy's blind. Right? Why, why did you say he can't use your Erev? Forgot, right? He forgot last year. And now he's upset because he forgot again. So you're coming down so hard on him? You can't use my Erev. And, okay. And then the Gemara doesn't even go further on this. Gemara just leaves the story hanging the way it is. What do we see from here? We see, it would seem, that if you forgot once, you get, you get a pass. You get a mulligan. You forget a second time, we say, hey, why didn't you remember? I gave you a chance last time. How come you didn't do it this time? And that's part of the reason why the story I mentioned yesterday about the devil from Houston he thought that since he had done it already once, he had already forgotten one time that he wasn't able to use the error that I had set up for him. 
because he had this wasn't the first time he had ever he had forgotten. So based on this piece of Gemara was one of the reasons why that fellow in Houston wanted to tell me that he couldn't use my Erev because he the Erev doesn't work for somebody who's already forgotten. He's a Posheya. That's what Shmuel said. What does this mean? I mean, again, uh, why did Shmuel come down so hard on him? And what is the idea of the halacha? That's really what these lines should 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 be troublesome to you when you read them. Um, Rashi Right, exactly. I think when you say he's kind, he's blind, right? That's what you meant. Right. Right. <laughs> right. He's blind and he could have exactly Debbie. So he should have <laughs> he should have realized, yeah, uh, this seems to be extremely harsh. Um Rashi tries to um help us. He knows you're bothered by that. Let's see what Rashi says. And I, I, I have a feeling that this was not the that that perhaps the Rashi does such a good job on this Masechta that I've got a, a, a sense that we don't have the complete Rashi in front of us on this specific line. I'll tell you why. Let's take a look at what Rashi says. Liti doch oser. For you, it's oser. She'ein, Rashi says, she'ein daiti al hamazidim. Al hamazidim. I was not thinking to have in mind my das that it should work alamazidim on people that are open sinners, people who sin openly without any excuse. Vaposhim. Maybe you're not amazed, but you're a posheya. What does that mean, a poshea? You're, 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 you're criminally negligent almost. Why? She'enam <laughs> charedim. If we stop here, we can turn this Rashi into a whole political statement. Oh, you're not a charedi. <laughs> That's not what it means. Uh, there's so much, that, that word has become so loaded. Here's the word, charedim. It, it's, it's such a loaded word, and it's, uh, it's ugly what has occurred that, that I'm not a charedi. Charedi, like it summons up in Israel, because of what happens in Israel, and then it filters through in America as well, what Haredim means. That's a, a, a 19th, 20th century, 21st century, I would say 20th, 21st century, I don't know if that slave was by the 19th, of what Haredi means. Haredi politically, I'm, 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 I'm against modern orthodoxy, I'm against the Medina, no, no, that, that's not what it means. Here, right? I'm yeshivish, I only wear black hats. Einam Haredim, let's read the whole sentence. To be chored means from the word charada, which is the shake. The Quakers were, that's why they're called the Quakers. We know the Quakers, the friends, the ones who appear on the oatmeal, the people who helped create Pennsylvania, the ones who are called the friends throughout um, the the charadim. To quake, to to be nervous, that that the word of God and His law causes a real emotional reaction that you can see in your body. We talked about reading body language. Charedim means I'm 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 a shaker. 
the shakers are the same thing. Shakers, quakers, shaking and quaking for God because God means something and you can see it. You can see that in the excitement and the energy and the fact that their body is an indicator of what's going on inside. That's what a choret is. A choret is someone that we feel cares a lot. Now you're right, you could be a very cool cucumber and still be a choret. Right? But normally, the way it works is somebody who really cares about something, you can see the intensity on him. You can see it in a physical manifestation. But there are people that, whose souls are thirsting, whose souls are, are being chored, who are shaking and moving, and they don't necessarily indicate that in their body language. But that's the idea of, 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 of the chored. That's what a chored is. So you are not chored. The Dibrei Chachamim. What are the Dibrei Chachamim? The rabbis would say you have to make an Erev. The rabbis established that. Shlomo HaMelech, as a, as a wise rabbi, as a head of a, of, 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 of a Sanhedrin, created this idea of Erev Tavshil, and it's become part of us. I can tell, this is what Shmuel was saying, that you're not just a forgetful guy. And again, this was Shmuel's reading of the of the story, that you let yourself forget. Now, think about the story again. He's upset. Why is he upset? He's upset because he knows the rabbis, there's a law that you can't cook for Shabbos. So he does care about the law, and he knows that he's bound by the law. He's not a, a person who doesn't care. If he didn't care about Judaism, he would just cook on Shabbos, cook for, maybe be Machal Shabbos, or he'd cook on Yanta for Shabbos no matter what. The fact that he was upset meant, seemingly, that he realized he had, he had, he had not done the right thing. And he knows that the rabbis created this law, as we've talked about. Eirif Tavshilin only works because, from the Torah, you are allowed to cook from Yantam to Shabbos. The rabbis are the ones who don't want you to cook from Yantam to Shabbos. The rabbis are the ones who say, as we saw when we were learning a couple of weeks ago. So the man believes in the rabbis. But what he hasn't taken advantage of was what the, the other side of the coin. Don't cook on Yantam for Shabbos, but do cook if you set something up on Thursday. You, and now that he missed it once and he missed it again, that told Shmuel that he was a person who really didn't care enough. Because if you care enough, you don't need the second mulligan. If you really care enough, if you're a chorade to the law, then you're not going to forget. That's the, that is the best I can do with this Rashi. And it still leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Right? And where does it, what, what happens with this? Um, okay. We can go on here, but I, 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 I hope all of you are, are feeling the same thing that I'm trying to convey. What the heck? Shmuel, come on. Give the guy a break. But the Gemara doesn't criticize Shmuel. The Gemara makes it seem like the, the blind guy was wrong. Okay. So, So, Debbie, you're trying to say that um, 
the blindness shouldn't be a factor. Or maybe you're saying because he's blind. In other words, if it was if he wasn't blind, you could say, hey, you know what? You know, it's like it's like the boss gives you one strike, and it, once you don't have that strike, the boss says, this tells me something about you. But because he's blind, we should be more compassionate. Is that what you're saying? Are you saying the blindness shouldn't be a factor at all? It's just an incidental. Uh, it's incidental to the story, but it doesn't really. You know, it shouldn't really play a role. I mean, uh, the blind guy probably today, a blind person would not want to be treated different. Yeah, that's correct. We don't know why. And, and why did Shmuel jump to that conclusion? Why did, jump, why did Shmuel jump to that conclusion and say, you're a Poshea? Uh, that, that would be the, the, the question. Maybe Shmuel knew it. Maybe Shmuel, as a rabbi, you, we, we believe that these men aren't just smart lawyers. It's not just that they have a great legal mind. They have a great people sense as well. Shmuel was known as the greatest judge of his time. He was, in fact, when Shmuel and Rav disagree about legal uh, tort law, um, laws that have to do with, um, we call dinim, mishpatim, we side with Rav, Shmuel over Rav. Halacha Shmuel bedine. Shmuel set up a system of, of, of a, a, a court system. His Bezdin was considered the best. He was also uh, an astronomer and a doctor. But he was a very uh, uh, incredibly observant person because to be a, a judge... Right, so, but again, let me just make this point. I'm not just trying to pontificate. He was a judge, and part of being a judge is seeing things beneath the surface and reading the, 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 the litigants that are coming in front of you. That's, what, that's the difference between a good judge and a great judge. That judge has that, that sense of how to apply things because of his understanding of, of, of the dynamic. Now, you're right, Debbie. We don't have enough information, but we we need to err giving Shmuel the benefit. And the reason is, is because we know the part that he plays in this book. In this book that's called Shas, that's called the Gemara, Shmuel is a good guy. And Shmuel is one of the people we're supposed to learn from. So we're going to have to assume, at least in this case, that Shmuel saw something about him that gave him this indicator that this wasn't just, I always forget, and I've got this problem with forgetting. Now, I remember before, when, uh, many years ago, the first time I saw this, I had an answer to this question. I'm going to share it with you. It's, a, it's the answer a child would say, perhaps. But it was the, when I first learned this, when I was 16, this was the answer that I uh, said, that we said he was blind, but he had a great memory, right? <laughs> Remember, that was what he was about. His whole thing is remembering. That, that's, that's his key thing. He, has it, he carries within his mind loads of information. That's what this man is about, right? He was Masader Masnisa. He was somebody who had a lot of information in his head, and he was organizing it. That doesn't sound like a person that would forget and, 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 and be so, right? And that, that's, therefore, Shmuel said, 
it would just be a regular guy, a loyutzlach, a nebuch. Shmuel, of course, the nebuch gets the the nebuch gets the mulligan every every yontif. That's just the way they are. We know there are people that are that are that are endemically uh, forgetful and 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 and, and consistently have issues and those issues are deeper than maybe they need a psychiatrist to 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 plumb why they are that way maybe there's a certain something that's missing in their brain but Shmuel knew about this gentleman that that was not the case and and we now know and, and that's why perhaps the reason the Talmud tells us that Right, that, that's a, a, a Henoch raises a point that one thing doesn't necessarily mean, one thing doesn't necessarily lead to the other. The fact that he was a, um, the fact that he was uh, 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 a genius and a memory in one way doesn't mean that that carried over. But I assume that was something that um, we're going to give Shmuel the credit on that. Okay. Now, we could move on here, but I, I, I think there's, there's enough cooking that takes us into someplace else, okay? So I want to introduce in the last couple of minutes that we have here another source, which I didn't send out to you. And it's not available in Art Scroll yet. Yeah, it's not available in Art Scroll yet. I hear what you're saying, Hannah. It's not available in art school yet, but I want to introduce you to it. Um, I know that, uh, Debbie, you mentioned to me that there was, you know, I don't want to be guilty of, of just throwing stuff, you know, that's, that, that's beyond what people really need now. But I think when you have a, 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 a statement like this and Rashi explains it and then you're still troubled, um, where do you look? So if you have a Gemara, a standard Vilna Shas Gemara, most of them have this in the back of the Gemara. And it looks like the Gemara, doesn't it? Now, Hanach, of course, is familiar with what I'm, what I'm showing. But, but it looks like the Gemara again. And the first time I ever um, uh, encountered this, I must have been about eight or nine years old. And uh, it was a separate book in Rav Nota Greenblatt's house. And I said, is this Gemara? It looks like Gemara, but it isn't, right? And Rav Nota said to me, no, this is called the Rif. But it's written like Gemara. This was one of the most important books. We talk, we've talked about Rashi and Tosvos. This is a fundamental thing to mention. In the Sephardi world, in the world of North Africa, Spain, the most important work for the average learner was not the Talmud, but it was this work, which was a condensation of the Talmud that was undertaken and completed by Rabbeinu, by the Rif, Yitzchak Alfasi. Now here it says Rabbeinu Nisim, and that's a little mis- that's because this is Rabbeinu Nisim on the side. He is commenting on the condensed, edited version of the Talmud that Yitzchak Alfasi, Yitzchak from Fez, if you look it up, it's a city in Morocco still, 
It's right on the border. In between, it's right when you come off near Gibraltar, when you go from Spain to Africa. The first port city there is Fez. And therefore, it's sort of a city that's Europe and Africa together. And it was in that city that Yitzchak of Fez had his yeshiva, but even more than his yeshiva was the work that he wrote. He said the Talmud, in order for it to be studied properly in the largest way, it needs editing and condensation. Now, that doesn't mean that we should remove ourselves from studying the original, but the masses need a shortened version that eliminates a lot of the difficult back and forth, what we call shakla vitaria, back and forth, and also states what the halacha is. Now, I showed you that the printers of the Talmud tried to give us hooks to the halacha by connecting statements in the Talmud to where they are codified in Shulchan Aruch and in the Rambam. But that is really a difficult way to do it. Wouldn't it be easier if the Talmud page itself would say, and this is the law? Well, the Talmud page doesn't do that because the Talmud page is just always, because the Talmud page is giving us the record of the conversation. Sometimes the Talmud ended with a statement that this is the law, and sometimes it left it hanging. And in places where it left it hanging or unclear, how do you know what to do based on the Talmud? So the Rif, Al-Fasi, took responsibility for this. And in this condensed work that's called Sefer Halachot, is what he called it, the Book of Laws, but it was really the Talmud language. So somebody could really, and this is really the, the brilliance of the book, somebody could enjoy themselves reading Talmud lines without a lot of the difficulties, a lot, without many of the tangents. Even when it comes to Agadita, Rif, Alfasi, gives you a sprinkling of it, but he eliminates a lot of it. And this book, the Alfasi, the Rif, the stuff in the middle here that I'm pointing to with the cursor, this was what was studied for hundreds and hundreds of years as a, as, as what a normal, we'll call a balabayit, should do. The yeshiva guys, the rabbonim, the rabbis, the ones who had much more time and whatever it was, of course they would study the Talmud in its essence. But this book became a handbook for people to study. And even the rabbis would turn to it to see what did Alfasi say should be the law? So this is the riff. Now, um, you can see on the page that there's Rashi here. Now, Rashi actually was... Excuse me, excuse me Rabbi. Yes. When, did the, when did the riff live? So the riff is actually younger than Rashi. Rashi died in... Um, well, he was 1096, and the Rif uh, died 10-something years later. Rashi never saw the Rif. However, when they wanted to print the Rif to make it, a, to, to, to make it widely available, the, edit, the printers thought of collecting Rashi's statements on the Talmud and matching them up 
to the riffs condensed version of the Talmud. That's why we have Rashi on the side here. Um, it's in small letters because it wasn't really a, a commentary on the riff. This Rashi here is really sections of Rashi. Sections of Rashi cut away from Rashi's original and appended to the riff. On the left is Nisim. Nisim was a, uh, a, a 14th century, that's about 300 years after this man, Rabbeinu Nisim. We call, generally, in Talmudic parlance, we call this the Ran, the Ran, Rabbeinu Nisim. Okay. So, Kivalevich and all of us say, this piece of Talmud is troubling. Where do I look? So this might be the, one of the first places to look. Maybe there's something, maybe the reef, Rashi didn't help. Maybe there's something in reef. How does the reef explain it? Okay. Well, the reef actually brings it. And here it is, Samia, The Masader Masnisa Kameh Marshmul. Yom the same exact, the riff has not added anything. Okay, looks like it's a dead end. But hang on. Maybe the commentary on the riff will help me. Well, Rashi is obviously just taken from our Rashi. So it's not going to help me here. Okay? But maybe the Ron will help me. Okay, let's try to find the Ron. It's up here. Hosheya'at. So let's see the Ran. Dikeva. This is the Ran explaining the riff. Why did the Ran do this? Because the Ran lived in a period that everybody studied the riff. That's why he decided to write his commentary on the riff. It made sense. Once the riff became the standard study material for most Jews, if you wanted to write your ideas, you're gonna, you were gonna have a better chance if your book was on the book everybody was studying. So this is why a, a secondary literature arose. S- books on the riff. Because <laughs> the riff was such a hit. That was what everybody, that's where everyone gets their news from, right? It's like, it was like writing a blog on the New York Times. Because that's where everybody was going to anyway. So let's see what the riff, the Ron writes. He came from the city of Girona in, in Spain. So let's see what he says. Posheat. The Kavon since the Atsivat. Since you're sad, Galita Adaitech Sha'in Khorotzalismoch Bishalachim. Hmm. It's not that you forgot last year. It's what are you upset about? You're upset? What are you upset about? Uh, you already know that I do it for the whole city. If you're upset, you didn't forget what I told you last year. You know that that's what I do. You know that what I do is set the era for everyone. But here you are upset that you're not going to cook for Yontif, for Shabbos. 
What are you upset about? Aha. Uh-huh. You remember what I told you last year. You know what the custom in this city is. It must be, Ein lismoch You don't want to rely on others. You know that I set it up, but you should be okay. It must be that you don't want to, you don't want the rabbi to work for you. You don't want what other people do. And you didn't do it yourself, but you didn't, for whatever reason, maybe because you were blind or whatever it was, but you didn't set it up yourself. Therefore, I'm calling you a posheya. The Ron uses the same terminology because that's in the Talmud, quoted by the Rif. Meaning, you didn't forget what I told you last year. That I know. And this this is similar to what I was saying, the, the idea I said on my own. It's not that you forgot. You're upset because even though I told you last year you could use me, somehow that bothers you. That bothers you that you don't want to be so mech on others. Now, this is really psychological here, right? <laughs> because you could really say, of course the blind guy doesn't want to be so mech on others. He's pushing for independence. That's all what he's about. He's about living on his own. I mean, the man is is, is a, a walking uh, savant. Yep, here, it's, I'm just, I'm just, let, let, let's just relish the inventiveness of what, what the Ron is tell, telling us here. In other words, Rashi said um, that that uh, I, I think what Ron is saying is that it's not that he rejects, I guess so. I'm not sure if it's supervision, but the idea that the rabbi did it for me, thats he doesn't like that idea. The idea that the rabbi did, did it for me, that's something which bothers him. Maybe it's because he feels, you can't have me in mind if I didn't tell you to do it. Or maybe, this is what Kibalevich is saying, it might be, is that that's part of his mentality, and maybe it comes from being blind, is not always wanting others to do for you. And therefore, he rejects this idea that he needs to be taken care of. Okay, yeah, the rabbi did it for you. He doesn't like that. His being sad is because he, he says, I'm do, I do things on my own. So the Shmuel is telling him, look, you've got to make peace with this idea. If you are someone who don't, you don't want to be part of me, you specifically say, I know the rabbi's doing it, but I want to be able to fulfill everything on my own. Right. Again, I think especially here, you need to understand. And again, his forgetfulness might be, it might have just been an accident of forgetting. So it's not necessarily that we're, it really has to do with this idea, I think, of of, of recognizing the limits of what we can do and can't do. And and accept the fact that, that we do have stewards. We do have, Debbie calls it supervision, but it's also 
people that are, are, they are our shepherds. They're taking care of us in a way. Clearly, you don't want to be taken care of. Otherwise, you wouldn't be upset. If that's the case, then I'm going to react the same way to you. I'm going to say the same thing to you that, look, you don't want to be, you don't want, you didn't want to be part of it. It can't work for you. I wish it was different. If you weren't upset, then it would have worked for you. The fact that you forgot last year, a person is allowed to forget. But the way I see you, I can see that it isn't about, uh, you are, you are disconnected to the system that we, we set up. If you're disconnected for the system, it's almost like we, I can see that you didn't want to be part of it anyway. And it, therefore, it can't work. I can't force the Erev on people that don't want to be connected to it. And it seems from the way you're upset that you didn't want to be. Again, so I, I, I think that the Ron at least has given us... I, I, think he's, I think it's tough love. According to the Ron, Shmuel is, is, is giving him a little bit of a tough love lesson. And he's sort of saying, look, I, from, from the fact that you're upset here, even though you knew I was doing it, I can see that you really don't want this dispensation that we give to everybody, which is that, that if you forget, the air works for you. Now, if that's the way you are, that you don't want to be part of it, then you've already disconnected yourself from the system. And it can't work for you. Maybe I'll send you another. I'll give you some of my food. But you can't go and cook yourself now. In other words, he wasn't necessarily. Rashi actually. Rashi has Shmuel bearing wolf teeth. You know, he's saying to him, you're a bum. You don't care about the Chachamim. You're amazed. The Ron is definitely toning that down. I mean, he can't deny the fact that the Talmud uses the word poshea. But I think the Ron is, is changing poshea. He doesn't mention a mazid. He doesn't mention you're not a choreid. You're not a haredi. He doesn't mention that. He mentions the fact that, and also the Ron inventively uses this idea of atzivat, the fact that he was upset. The fact that he was upset, that was the clue that Sherlock Holmes, Shmuel, figured out. His, his being upset, without even saying anything openly, showed Shmuel that he, and, and this was, uh, sometimes you need to own up to the fact that you need people. And it's unfortunate that this year he wouldn't be able to use the Arif. But I, I'm going to say the rest of the story that we don't know is, is that Shmuel probably had his wife pack him up some food and they gave it to him. So I don't think the, the guy left the house and he, was, it was, he, was, he ended up being hungry on, 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 uh, on Shabbos. And the way the Ron is looking at it, he might have actually continued his relationship with Shmuel. The way Rashi looked at it, I think the guy got a slap in the face. And maybe the relationship continued. Maybe they didn't. Anyway, that I, I think this really goes to show you how uh, how nuanced and and you need to to be, especially as we said, there isn't that much information other than the words there. But we, it, it really demands from us, especially a piece like this. We are sensitive people with disabilities. I, I think a piece like this really demands that type of work.
And you've got to be willing to sometimes search for answers off of the page. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.